Let's pray, and then we'll dive into the text. Father, we, we thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight. We, uh, we thank you just for another day you've given us and the ability just to wake up this morning and to experience life with, with our families and with our relationship with you. And Father, as we come tonight, we do want to first just say that we, we thank you for all your blessings and we know and recognize you are God. And um, the only reason we have any of the things we have uh, is because of you. And so thank you for those blessings. We want to also... Uh, just admit to you that we do sin and we fall short and ask you to forgive us of our sins and to lead us in a better way, a better path, uh, that we might be more like you. Father, uh, we want to lift up requests. I know there are many on our hearts that have lost loved ones who are sick even now. With all the different things going on in the world, um, we pray for those in Afghanistan uh, going through so many different things there. We pray for, of course, folks here. And we ask that you would just do a work and continue to show yourself in all these difficult situations. Uh, as always, Father, we ask you to help us to understand your word and teach us something in this psalm tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Psalm 41. I'm guessing, looking at this crowd especially, that every one of us in here at some point or another has had an enemy in their life. Is that true? A couple of people are like, never, <laughs> never once. Most of us, at, on some level, have had someone in our life who's against us. I've had a bunch <laughs> of enemies in my life. I was thinking about, as I drove down here, I was thinking about, when I was in, I think, eighth grade, that's when we first moved up to the big school, when I was in school, and I was walking through the cafeteria, and back in the day, we had, like, it was good food back in those days, you know, taco salad, pizza. We had chocolate milkshakes. I had a milkshake every day at school. It was awesome. And so I remember walking through and bumping my tray. I'm like a little nerdy eighth grader. Bump my tray. Milkshake falls on the back of this older kid. It's kind of like you see in a movie or something. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm getting beat up, you know. And like all day I was scared, but he ended up not beating me up for some reason. And then a couple years later, this other guy thought I was taking his girlfriend, which it was not true, and he threatened to beat me up. And I was like, man, I'm not doing so good. I'm not doing so good in high school. But I didn't get beat up any, not yet. There's still time. But all of us have had enemies, people who have been out to get you um, in some way or another. And if none of those, none of that's true, you're just the sweetest person of all time and nobody's ever been against you, Miss Patsy, um, you know Satan's your enemy, right? If that's you, that sweet person that nobody's ever been against. There's been, at least Satan has been our adversary. But what about this? Have you ever had someone who's your friend or loved one, maybe a family member or a friend, who was your friend but became your enemy, who stabbed you in the back? And I bet a lot of us have had that happen too. Someone we thought was close to us went behind our back and hurt us in some way. Well, I give you that because David, who wrote this psalm, we know he had many enemies. And what we find out here in this psalm, if we didn't already know it, is he had an enemy or a friend who became an enemy. And I think, again, we might can relate to that in some ways. And so what you'll see as we read this in a minute is he is 
sick. There's something in his life, some sickness, some disease that's happened to him because of his sin. God is punishing him in this way. And um, his enemies hear about it and they're like, you know, yes, maybe David will die because of this. They're excited that he is sick. And in verse 6, in the middle of this chapter, we're going to see somebody comes to visit him that you think is like there to be nice. You're bringing him a fruit basket, you know, visit him in his sickness. And we find out this guy actually was there for the wrong reasons. And he was just trying to check and see what David's condition was so he could go back and tell the enemy how David was doing. And so his friend really became an enemy. And in this tough situation, he turns to God in, in prayer. So let's, let's go through this a few verses at a time, beginning with verse 1. Blessed is he that considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The thing we see in verse 1 is, like many of these psalms, start with this word blessed or blessed. I told you before, that means to be content or joyful, uh, complete blessedness, complete joy and contentment in Christ. And I wrote down a few of these. Psalm 1 speaks of this. Psalm 32, 33, 34, and 40 are some of the psalms that speak about being blessed. So in this verse, who are those who are blessed? They do something, and what is that thing they do? They consider the poor, or they're generous to the poor. Now, the word poor there, is, as I looked into that word, it means to be weak. And so this could apply to people who might need money or might need help, food, you know, that kind of poor. But that word also means anyone who's weak in any way. So it might be someone who's spiritually weak, someone who is um, lonely, it might be someone who is physically hurting and weak in that sense. And so when he says, blessed is he that is generous to the poor, don't just think about you know, giving money to those in need, but think about how do I or do I consider the needs of the people around me and do I do my best to try to meet those needs in Christ? That's what this person does. And I think some people are blessed in this way. Some people are, I think, better at this than others. But understanding that, you know, this person over here, I just spit everywhere, sorry. This person over here might not need 50 bucks to help through the week, but they might need me to give them a conversation, just a, a listening ear. Um, I may have shared this last week, but someone reached out to me on social media, a childhood friend reached out to me on social media um, last month, and I had a, relation, I had a conversation back and forth. Um, a nice, cordial conversation, and didn't think anything about it. It was, like, it was nice to catch up with him, and then this, this past week, you know, the end of this week, this person robbed a bank, like, robbed a bank, and I was like, so I thought to myself, I wonder if he was reaching out for some help, and I didn't give it, which, he didn't ask me if I wanted to help him rob a bank, but um, I was like, maybe I should have saw it as an opportunity to, to say even more to him than I did, and uh, it's kind of a crazy situation. I definitely need to be praying for that guy. But uh, my point is, it might be loneliness. It might be some spiritual trial. It might be just fixing soup for someone who's sick. But do we seek to meet, meet needs of people around us in a generous way? It should start at home, right? I should see, what, like my spouse, like, does my spouse need some you know, alone time? Does, does she need a conversation? Does she need a gift? What does she need? We could do that with our children, our parents, Friends, of course, people in our church. 
The theme of this psalm, I think, is found in verse 1, and it is, the Lord takes care of those who takes care of others. The Lord takes care of those who takes care of others. Proverbs 14, 21 says, Whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. Look at verse 2 and 3. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he shall be blessed upon the earth, and thou wilt not deliver him unto the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing, thou wilt make all his bed in his sickness. And so the principle of the second part of verse 1, that the Lord delivers this generous person out of trouble, continues in 2 and 3. The Lord protects, the Lord provides, the Lord preserves, the Lord even heals. That's what he says at the end of verse 3 when it says he makes all his bed. That means God will restore him, will heal him. And so as I'm reading this, I think David was this person. I think he's speaking about himself. And I think he's speaking about past tense. I think he's saying, I was this guy who was generous to others. And I'm telling you, God brought me through this trial. And God looked on me who was generous, and God was generous to, to me. Now, does that mean that if we give someone $1,000, that God's going to give us $2,000? That's not true necessarily, right? I mean, God could do that, but I don't believe God always works that way, or works that way maybe ever. Um, and that's not why we give. We don't give just so God will give us back. But there are principles in Scripture of reaping what we sow, right? And we think about that negatively. Like, man, he shouldn't have done that. He's going to sow what he reaped, you know, reap what he sowed. Yeah. But that's also a positive thing, right? And I think there's principles of that in Scripture that if we're the people God wants us to be, it may not be financially, may not be earthly, but he's going to provide for us the way he sees fit, and that should be enough for us. How about this? As I, I look at David saying, I was generous, so God's generous to me. I thought about the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive what? Mercy. And so we should strive to be that merciful person. Let's go to verse 4. Now he begins to hear pray to the Lord. I said, Lord, be merciful unto me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against against thee. Here I see a confession of, of sin. He, he admits his sin at the end of that verse, I've sinned against thee. He asks for healing when he says, heal me, and he knows upon which attribute of God to cast his soul, which is mercy and grace. Be gracious to me. Be merciful to me. David is a great example of knowing where to turn when life gets crazy or life gets rough, isn't he? I mean, we've already read 41 Psalms, many of them by David, and things go wrong in his life a lot, and he turns to the Lord. And sometimes we, and I'm guilty of this, something goes wrong, I turn to something else first. And I would encourage us, like David, turn to God first. Verse 5 through 9 will be our next section. So check this out. He says, Mine enemies speak evil of me. When shall he die and his name perish? And so like his enemies are like waiting for him to die. He's sick. We've heard about his sickness. Maybe this will take him out of the world. That's, they hated him, right? They want him gone. Verse 6. And if he come to see me, 
he speaketh vanity. His heart gathereth iniquity to itself. When he goeth abroad, he telleth it. All that hate me whisper together against me. Against me do they devise my hurt. An evil disease, say they, cleaveth fast unto him. And now that he lieth, he shall rise up no more. Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. So his enemies are expecting his demise. But did you notice there, the one in verse 6, who comes to see him, and I believe this is the friend, because I don't know that a real enemy of David would have been able to get to see him that close. Plus, in verse 9, he talks about this being a friend who shares bread with him. And so I think this is a friend here who comes to see him. Again, a friend comes to see you, you think that's a good thing, right? I'm sick, he's coming to check on me, that's a good thing. But do you see what verse 6 said? What does the person do after he finds out? Well, first of all, his heart gathers iniquity, so he's, he's there for the wrong reasons. But then he goes out and tells what's going on. Again, this guy is a spy, really, who is spying on David to take the information back to his enemies. He says there in verse 9, he has lifted up his heel against me to kick me. Does anybody know, and you might know this if you're looking at a study Bible or if you do cross-reference verses, someone else in Scripture partially quoted verse 9. Do y'all know who that was? Just take the Sunday school answer. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus did it. Jesus did it in the book of John when they're doing the, the Last Supper, I guess it is, and he's talking there about Judas Iscariot. But Jesus, if you go and read that in John 13... Jesus leaves out that he was his own familiar friend whom he trusted. And Jesus just talks about him being the one who ate the bread and who will be against him. And I think that's very interesting, just how Jesus quoted that, to speak of Judas, who we know was a great betrayer of Christ. It's not, how shall I say this? It's not, it shouldn't be uncommon for Christians to have people betray us. That really should be a part of the Christian life. We know we're going to have enemies. Jesus said, you'll be persecuted if you live godly, but it shouldn't always be uncommon or so shocking if people betray us uh, in the faith because it happens throughout the Scripture. Verse 10 and 11. But thou, O Lord, be merciful unto me, and raise me up that I might wreck with them. Or repay them. Verse 11. By this I know that thou favorest me. Because mine enemy doth not triumph over me. So again. His, his enemies want to destroy him in these verses. But he asks God for mercy. He asks God to heal him. To lift him up and to give him victory. Not just. And we've said this before in Psalms. Not just so that David can say. "Oh, I'm victorious. But that he can say God is the one who delivered me. So he asked the victory not just for himself, but for the, for the glory of God. Verse 12. And as for me, thou upholdest me in mine integrity. When I first read this, I thought, 
Which one is it, David? Are you a sinner, like you mentioned back in the earlier verses, like in verse 4? Or are you a man of integrity, as you said here in verse 12? Which is it? Is David a sinner or a man of integrity? Both, right? <laughs> yes, he's both. And I pray that we are the same as well, sinners who are confessing that sin as he did in verse 4, but also people who try to live lives of integrity. And he says God sets his face before him. Verse 13. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting and to everlasting. Amen and amen. I think this psalm is after all this has happened. And I think he is looking back on what God has done. And I believe when he writes this, you know, he is thinking about that healing that God's brought into his life and that victory. And so he ends with just a simple verse of praise. Blessed be the Lord Jehovah, the God of Israel. From everlasting to everlasting means God is eternal. He's the one who's been around forever and he'll always be. He's in control. And he ends with that simple amen and amen to say, um, let it be so. In the psalm, David found forgiveness, healing, blessedness, victory, and he found a way to praise God for all of it. And I think our application tonight is, um, if we need forgiveness or healing or blessedness or encouragement or victory, um, turn to the Lord first. Turn to him, not to everything else. And I think another application, number two, is to seek to be that generous person, that blessed person who, who's aware of other people's needs and does your best in Christ to meet those, those needs. That's my two applications. And, uh, yeah, that's all I have for this Bible study time. Went off Paul and we'll, um, I had a couple of discussion questions I did want to go over, um, but not on video. Yeah.